Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Celtics, brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Warren Shaw. He is the great Gary Washburn, and we are your hosts and resource for everything Celtics this season here on the Believe Network. Gary, what's good, family? How are we doing? Good, Warren. How's it going, man? Same old. Same old. Week, Same week old. from the season, so we're, we're creeping up on the season. So uh, excitement's getting there. Another crazy, zany, and boy, have we had uh, a lot of stuff happen in the preseason that uh, to talk about. But uh, And we're not even to game one yet, so I'm looking forward to game one and looking forward to um, just uh, another Celtic season. Well, I can I can definitely get with you on that one as well. And you know, because we are the Celtics podcast, we don't we won't always have an often have have an opportunity to come maybe discuss some other things. But as somebody who's been in the league and come in the league as for as long as you have, I think it would be remiss. And I don't know how much of this was asked, maybe even to the Celtics players, coaches, et cetera, et cetera. This incident with Draymond Green not during Golden State, you know, obviously now a a pseudo rival of, of the of Boston now after just playing in the NBA finals. And you know, you never want to see an incident like that happen in any in any capacity, but we know they do happen. Um, did you talk to any of the guys about that by by any chance over the past week? Or kind of just what were your thoughts when you saw that in the TMZ leaked video <laughs> of basically yeah, yeah, and Jordan that, Poole? That adds that's adds to the intrigue, I guess. And obviously it was kind of a topic that was seemingly handled, right? Um mm. The Warriors on Thursday, all the brass, you know, Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, and all went on, you know, hey, well, we're going to, you know, in-house uh, discipline and, you know, we're going to move on from this. And, you know, it's unnecessary, you know, unfortunate, but one of those things. And then suddenly the video gets out and looks about 100 times worse than we all were told it was. You know, it wasn't a little like a little swing at practice or a little you know, fracas, it was a complete just, you know, shot to the face yep. with uh, pulls hands down. So, yeah, I mean, we talked to Marcus Smart about it, who said that it's just one of those things you got to, you know, things like that do, do happen in practice. Maybe not to that extent, Warren. Maybe, you know, there's always scuffles and pushing. Usually teammates come in between and guys end up settling it, but not a situation where, I mean, usually, Warren, honestly, Practice fights happen like in the competition when you're actually practicing. Uh, neither of those two guys were practicing; like they were on the <laughs> sideline, they were watching. They were they weren't even in on the court. They were kind of just watching and then talking to each other. And that's when you kind of figure and know that this might be something more than just like you know you elbowed me or I didn't like you you screening me on that rebound or I didn't like that pick and roll. Whatever it was not about hoop. It was about it was something personal because, yeah. you know, if you, if you can see it, like neither of those guys are practicing. Guys were on the floor and had their head turned and were like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here when um, Poole's kind of being picked up off the floor? So I think the players understand this. So Smart said to us, you know, those type of things happen, but you don't want it ever to get to that extent. You don't want to ever get it to where there's violence or something like that, you know, going on and also you know now you got to apologize now you got to try to make amends and 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 those that's the whole thing it's not only the incident but it's the aftermath you know don't let 
what they say, don't let two, you know five minutes affect the rest of your career, rest of your yeah. life. Don't let five bad minutes determine who you are, how you're perceived. And, and that's the thing that Draymond's going to, he's going to wear this for a long, long time. Now, you know, I was discussing with someone earlier about, and this might be before your time, but that the uh, 1978, the Rockets Lakers where Kermit Washington literally punched and broke to Rudy Tom John. And, um, you know, before Rudy was a championship coach, he was a very good player for the Houston Rockets. Um, and Kermit Washington was fighting with a player named Kevin Coonert from the Rockets. Rudy kind of came over seemingly to break things up, but he was running. And Washington kind of just saw some guy in a red jersey running at him, turned around and, and, and punched him, knocked him out. And, you know, I think that, we, we, you know, and, and we see the TMZ tape and video and all that, but we don't understand – because we're not, you know, these guys are big guys, Warren. As you know, I mean, Draymond's 6'8", you know, Draymond's 240. There's a grown man punch. I mean, this is right. not just to, I think, I was saying earlier in another show, like we're, we become, unfortunately, so desensitized because we post it on Twitter. We look at Twitter. Somebody's posting a fight at a school. Someone's posting a fight at a Walmart with two, you know, ladies fighting over the last uh widescreen TV and all that. Like, you know, we've become desensitized to the violence. And so to this, but to see that in a big guy hit like that, and Jordan pull a six, four, but he's smaller than Draymond. It's really scary, you know, and, and, and people could see, you know, we're lucky. And, and I don't know, you know, pool came back and played the next preseason game and looked like he was back to his old self. So luckily it didn't cause much damage, but, that old situation, you know, has a lot of repercussions, you know, and and yeah. and I think Draymond has to do some cell searching, maybe some counseling and, and and some therapy to to get all that out of him. Because as you know, Warren, like you know, we could we're I'm sure we'll talk about the acquisition and, and Blake Griffin later. But when you're over thirty, when you're on the other side of thirty in the NBA, the league is just looking for a reason to push you out. Right, you give them one, they're going to push you out. We look at guys like Dwight Howard and Demarcus Cousins and Lamarcus Aldridge, good guys that either their games have declined or they might be a headache in the locker room. And so they're free agents; they're waiting for a call. And these are guys who are former All Stars. Dwight's mm-hmm. headed to the Hall of Fame. Demarcus has had a very good career, not a great career, but a good career. Uh, unfortunately, never really got played on some good good teams. And LaMarcus Aldridge has had a solid career too. So, you know, but when you get on the other side of 30 and you give teams a reason not to sign you, they will not sign you. So Draymond needs to make some adjustments and hope that his teammates can forgive him. Yeah, I think those are great points, you know. And one of the things that I noticed from around the league in general was, you know, when other teams were asked about it, you know, it's interesting, you know, said Marcus, you know, has had that. Marcus has had his share of, I think maybe interesting things happen within the locker room and things like that, but never to that level, if you will. But the overwhelming thing that I heard was, well, 
that's their problem. You know, I'm like these things happen, but I'm glad it's not us, so to speak, yeah. especially when it comes to that. And for the Golden State Warriors, nobody's going to feel sorry for them as NBA championship, as an NBA champions draft. Like no one's going to feel sorry for them. So nobody, I would say, is happy that it happened, but nobody feels sorry for them in that instance. So as you alluded to, Draymond and that organization has to figure out a way to heal. Looks like Jordan Poole is a guy who's shaken but not stirred. He's he's in a very confident guy, as you alluded to, came out there and was kind of, you know, at least visibly to us, was kind of back to his old self, if you will, and scoring baskets for the Warriors. So much more to come, I think, on that situation in general. And we'll keep an eye on that. And hopefully those types of things stay away from these Boston Celtics because they already have enough drama, as we alluded to on the last episode. Yeah. They don't need anything yeah. else like that going yeah. on in their space. So before we get to the crux of the show, we ask that you give our show a five-star rating. Uh, make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast platform. And again, giving us that five-star rating. Follow us on Twitter. He's at G Washburn Globe. You can follow me at Twitter on Shaw, at Shaw Sports NBA. Follow Believe at Believe Network or Believe Sports. And on the other side of this break, you know it's going to be a little bit of Geno time for us. We'll be discussing the squad's first couple preseason games, some rosters, roster additions, some decisions that are going to have to be made before the NBA season begins just next week. But just before we get to that, we have a quick word from our sponsors, Ben Online. But we'll be right back here on the other side of that here on Geno Time. Football is back and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE. Bet online where the game starts. And on this week's edition of Geno Time here on Believe in Celtics, my man G. Wash and I, we're going to discuss these first couple preseason games. So I've noticed a couple of things and I've prepared a couple of questions. You know, as you right up there and you got to ask the players, the coaches, kind of what's been going on. Um, but a general, like a quick consensus, general overview as we record their two and one um, in this preseason, uh, two nice wins over the Charlotte Hornets. They lost against the Toronto Raptors and a game that they really should have won as well, too. Um, but it's the preseason, so maybe you don't read too much into that, too. The Raptors were definitely playing competitive basketball. Um, but where's your overall sense before we get into kind of some of the nuanced things about the team? Well, Warren, I'm impressed with the way they've taken the, you know, if you look at some of these preseason scores and some teams are just shutting it down, like they're taking it serious and their first team are beating the heck out of the first team to the other teams. Like the Charlotte game, they were just outclassed the Hornets. The Hornets might struggle a little bit, obviously, no Miles Bridges. And it just seems like, you know, they're just not quite, they, they had a chance to build something. And then they, it sounds like they're slipping back to what they were before. Yeah. And then the Toronto game, they dominated the Raptors' first team. They, they you know, put it on them the first three quarters. And then the Celtics kind of third unit and guys, training camp guys against, and, and they got they got outclassed by the Raptors, you know, training camp guys and into the bench guys. So that's why they lost that game in overtime. They had a, a bunch of chances to win, missed a bunch of shots down the stretch and kind of blew a big lead. But – if you're really looking at the game itself in terms of what it means, you know, Toronto is a team that is going to be good. I mean, I'm not talking about, the, the, you know, win a championship, 
but they're going to make a you know, run for that play in one of those play in spots. You know, they could go five, be five, six uh, in the East. So this is a credible opponent. And the Celtics really outclassed them in the first three quarters. And, and all teams played their starters. They weren't throwing out. It wasn't, you know, Van Vliet played and Scotty Barnes and Precious Achua and OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and Gary Trick Jr. All those guys played. So I've been impressed, Warren, with just how seriously they've taken it. And even the other night in, in Charlotte, in Greensboro, North Carolina, where Charlotte, you know, like before the game, you know, we talked to the coaches and we knew that uh, only one regular, uh, sorry, starter was going to play, and that was Jalen Brown. Um, you know, Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, Al Horford, and Jason Tatum were not going to play. And right. then we talked to Steve Clifford from Charlotte, and he's like, oh, I'm playing all my starters 30 minutes. <laughs> so you're like, oh, man, this is going to get ugly. And they were down 13 after the first quarter. And I'm like, wow, they're going to lose this game by 50 because, like, Charlotte's trying to get some momentum, trying to feel good about themselves, and they're, and they're playing in front of their home fans and all that. They're just going to put it on them. And the Celtics, you know, flipped the script and whooped their butts for the last three quarters and ran away with it and won by nine. And without, you know, with just Jalen, and Jalen barely played, didn't play too much in the second half. So the, the fact that these guys are playing competitive ball, they're trying, they're playing hard, they're executing, I think it's a good sign because – the whole thing, the theme of this training camp, in addition to last year, was like Udoka's first year. You know, guys, are, the COVID thing was still kind of lingering over it. Um, players didn't know their roles. Even without Udoka th- this year, Missoula's come right in, and they they don't want to start slow this year. You know, last year, if you recall, they lost that opening night game to the Knicks, and they just were up and down. They were 18 and 21. And they realized how much that ruined a chance for them to get the number one seed in the East. And they ended up going to the finals. But I think they might have gotten a little worn out in the second half chasing that, you know, trying to chase a seed. And they want to they want to be able to to win, try to make a run at 60 games, 60 wins. Right. Um, They want to start off at they want to punch first this year. And they, they want to take advantage. And I think that what I've seen from the preseason so far is they're focused on starting fast. And I think that's a great thing. I love that, honestly, you know, because it is one of the they have a little bit of a history now with that, too. And and I think there's I don't know how much of a tone can be set, so to speak, and messages can't really be sent in the preseason. But coming off of what they're coming off of specifically, obviously dealing with the Yudoka stuff, et cetera, et cetera, that, listen, we're about our business. And I, I think Jalen Brown specifically has been really about his business. We're seeing, you know, great efficiency in scoring. You know, I've been kind of a, maybe a little bit surprised. And I don't know if he's on some sort of not necessarily a revenge tour because I think he's respected. It's just understanding like, hey, I'm valued and you should continue to value me at this level. That's kind of what I'm taking. But that's me kind of maybe reading into things a little bit. Just, just maybe just a, a wee bit here. Um, but as we, as you, as you were talking, it, it got me to really thinking because if there's one negative I can say that I've seen, and really in, in both Charlotte games, was the turnovers were high. Yeah. You know, and when you start to see that, you know, twenty three, I think in game one and twenty, I think in, in the second game against for Charlotte, only ten versus Toronto, so that was obviously very, very good. Um, it gives you those flashbacks to the playoffs and where they were just, but again, it's, it's a combination of the entirety of the roster. Some guys will not be here come next week and things of that nature as well too. But as a Celtics fan, you know, you get a little bit shell shocked when you see some of that, has that been a conversation that you've seen or anything like, you know, 
any conversations about making that a point of emphasis to kind of turn those turnovers down um, going into the regular season here within the next week or so? I think that that's been a big point of emphasis. And I think it could have been, you, you could try to attribute it to being too unselfish, like everybody trying to make a play for the next guy. But I think it's pretty apparent. They know they have to take care of the ball and they have to be more efficient. And, and it's also spacing, you know, maybe a guy is two steps from where he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't, he set the screen too late and he threw the pass. Like some of it, I think, is just just like getting to know each other. And others is a bad habit of being too careless with the basketball. And I think the Celtics have to emphasize that they have to limit their 15, under, 15 or under per game. You know, none of this 22, 20, 19, 15 or under per game. They won. Most of their games, when they were 15 on the turnovers, when they were over 15, they lost most of those games. It wasn't often, but they were real. That's their, I think that's their number. Get yeah. under, I mean, you know, you would love under 10 or you would love under under five. That's not going to happen. These guys are, the defenses are too good. They're going to cause some turnovers. But that 11, 12, I think doesn't hurt you. 17, 18, those extra five or six turnovers definitely hurt you especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, what I like to see Warren, and I don't know if we'll see in the final preseason game, was like fourth quarter execution. You know, that's the big thing. They could not close out games all through last year. They could not close out that pivotal game four in Boston that cost pretty much cost them the finals. They couldn't close out the game five in Golden State where they were tied at the end or think uh, remember Poole hit that bank shot, 50, 40-foot bank shot, and gave the Warriors a lead after the Celtics played so well in the quarter and kind of broke down, and the Celtics couldn't close out that quarter. What is their fourth quarter execution going to be like? Because I don't think we're going to see it in the final preseason game, obviously. Yeah. These guys you know, will be probably on the bench, but it, what's going to happen against Philly in that opener? How are they going to – who's going to close out games – that's what we haven't seen yet. That's what that's the thing that, like you said, of a concern of mine is, you know, everything's not hunky-dory. They need to execute the fourth quarter when you got everybody's main guys, when they're, when they're facing Harden and Embiid and Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey and P.J. Tucker on, in, 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 on defense and Matisse Thibel, can they close out that game? You know, is it going to be Brogdon and Smart? Is it just going to be Brogdon? Is Brogdon playing the one and smart the two? Uh, who is it a big lineup? What happens without Robert Williams? Like all these things are going to need to be answered in the next couple of weeks. And as you know, the, the schedule starts with Philadelphia and then Miami. So they get tested right. And then Chicago's the fourth game sandwich with a, ba- a dangerous back to back at Orlando which is no, you know, they're going to be energetic, might be probably their home opener. Then they go to Chicago. So uh, they're going to get tested early. Yeah. You know, Gary, you know, you, you bring up a lot of great, great nuggets there. And I I think I've been frustrated, not with the Celtics specifically, but I think depending on the level of the team, I don't think as fans or media members or whatever that we're getting great looks at kind of like what teams, what they're actually going to do. The preseason really right now, like I feel like in years past, you would get a better look. And maybe because there was five preseason games that are four or six, maybe I forget what it was. It used to be but eight. More, oh, yeah, yeah. There was, there was, there was, there was a lot more preseason today, games. Like 10 years ago, there was eight, yeah. Yeah, and only certain teams and maybe some of the maybe 
I don't want to say bad teams, but the teams are still kind of figuring out. Maybe we're getting a little bit more information from them, but for these higher level teams, we're not necessarily seeing all the rotations that we're going to see. And I think, again, like it's hard for me to understand what's going to happen. Then can you just do that, so to speak, you know, once the lights are on, when it really, really matters most. And that's what I would maybe challenge, you know, kind of the league in general, not just the Celtics and Missoula here. And just like, all right, because I know you, you don't want to get injured in the preseason but trying to get a better sense of what those rotations are and situations have to play themselves out as well too. So it will be interesting what happens here in this final preseason test that they have. Will we get any indication about what's going on there? Let me talk to you a little bit about um, the defense, you know, just kind of in general and, you know, maybe some of Missoula's rotations and so forth and so forth. What have you seen there? Um, are the guys responding and, and having an, and feeling good about what they're doing very much similar to what, you know, what they were doing in the previous season. Um, but is there any lack of continuity that you've seen or anything, any pauses for concern? No, not yet. I haven't seen them get scorched or, or, or like, I think more in the issue, the first half of last year was just like the lapses, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 the terrible quarter, you know, the good defensive quarter, then follow it, and then the dream the team drops 38 in the second quarter. I haven't seen those lapses. Um, you know, I I've seen hustle, I've seen them getting to certain spots, I've seen, you know, rim protection, I've seen guys, you know, like I think they're all invested. I think the I think last year Warren taught them how important defense is to success. And maybe Jason and Jalen. And those guys, the younger guys didn't really – I think Al's always known that. And Marcus, obviously, won a defensive player of the year and always being a, a, a kind of an anchor on defense. But I think some of those other guys didn't really know how important defense is to success. And they thought, if we put the ball in the hoop and we're shooting a certain percentage, we're going to win. But that only gets you so far. you got to stop people. And I just think – so I've seen a real emphasis on defense – and remember, Missoula was kind of their defensive coordinator last year. He was their guy that that kind of organized and orchestrated that defense. So I've seen only positive things. I think we'll see in that final preseason game because I'm with Tatum and, and Brant, sorry, Smart and Horford and Brogdon all not having played now. It'll be like nine nine days. He'll want to get them a good run. Um, against the Raptors and I also think Warren the practices like the things that we don't get a chance we know when we're there at practice we don't get to watch the whole practice obviously it's not like the old days where reporters were allowed and to watch the entire practice and whatever now there's so many things that want to be disguised and with Twitter and they don't want you know they they, they keep it to hush hush so I think a lot of those practices especially this week they practice all week and then they'll come back I'm sure and go hard on uh Sunday and Monday, but in preparation for Tuesday, I think we'll see like those rotations and the defense and some of those guys really going at most of those guys really going at it and preparing because, like you said, like with only four preseason games, it's hard to really tell if a team is prepared for the season. Some teams you can kind of look, you know, you can see individual players. Some people, oh, Anthony Davis looking great, yeah, like he is looking good. Like somebody you can see individual players, mm-hmm. right? But teams it's really hard to tell okay what can we get milwaukee let's say more went to um was it dubai or when no united arab you know uae united arab emirates and lost both games uh to the hawks what does that mean well milwaukee's not going to be a good right. team like what did they show like you're right like we don't see anything that we used to see in the preseason where you would see uh three quarters from your first 
guys. Exactly. And then the fourth quarter, they would sit out. Then the, then the guys trying to make the team. Now it's, well, we'll play them a half. The next game, they won't play. The next, you know, LeBron didn't play uh, against the Warriors uh, the other night where, where Anthony, you know, he sat and you're not going to, you know, I think we're such in a load management. Yeah. We don't want to get anybody hurt. It's it's become like a you know the NFL preseason where you know you get a, a series here, a series here. You get your quarterback one game, and then you you put them on ice because you don't want them getting hurt in preseason. So it's become like the NFL. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. You know, and I think in some ways that's that's a little frustrating because I just I want to have a little bit more insight and that kind of opening up the package as, as the season has already started to kind of figure it out. But I understand that this it's a different era and we just kind of back we have to acquiesce and understand that. Let's move a little bit forward now into some of your your camp surprises, if you will. Like who's kind of impressed you? I think Brogdon, we didn't we didn't have any doubts about what he'd be able to do coming in, but he's been amazing as a facilitator you know and getting the job done there too whether he starts or comes off the bench it looks like he's going to come off the bench here now at least initially just just great acquisition so we don't necessarily need to spend a whole lot of time there you can touch on it if you like but you know i look at sam hauser who seems again i'm going to call him friend of the show since he was on here a couple of weeks ago um really's had some nice moments out here giving them a reliable shooter and floor spacer um you mentioned blake the addition of blake Justin Jackson, you know, again, the 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 the, the camp roster is littered with guys you know. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's like there are a lot of known names here. You look at other teams, you're like, I don't know who that guy is. But yeah. these are a lot of guys who you know have been in, have spent some time, whether a cup of coffee or not, in the, in the league. And the last guy I want to mention is I don't know. I have a soft spot in my heart for him. I don't know if you know this, but I just like Noah Vonley. Um, I think he's just a hard worker. He puts up numbers. I don't know if you know the the quote empty calories kind of goes associated with him but when he gets minutes he's usually a double double guy um just some of your thoughts on some of those young guys and people that maybe somebody i maybe didn't mention in the camp roster yeah i think i mean it's like we talked about earlier warren it's really hard to tell like, oh such so looks great like jalen i've been especially impressed with i think he has come out with laser focus jason nah he had he's you know he he's slow he said he's gonna start slow uh, he's had his three ball hasn't gone down, but you know, is he just trying to get the get the kinks out? I, I it's hard for me to judge him off uh, two preseason games. You know, mm-hmm. the same with Marcus. Al looks good. I think the number thing, the one you're look thinking of from Al is okay. At 36, is he is there going to be a considerable slowdown? Or if he does slow down, how is he going to slow down? Is he going to slow down like he's going to get tired in the fourth quarter? It was going to slow down where, hey, man, I can't play that back. Like my back back days are over. You know, you, you look and you're just kind of waiting when the guy hits, especially the mid-30s, like we're all going to look at LeBron this year and go, okay, at 37, he'll be 38 in December. What's going to be the first sign? Besides these little injuries he has, what's going to be the first sign of him really looking different, you know, l- looking Emmett Smith with the Cardinals or, you know, <laughs> looking, you know, looking like, this ain't this ain't him, you know. We're we're all we're all gonna be close, you know. Or it's like we look at Tom Brady. We look at guys now. What's the first sign? I think with Al, it's like okay. What's the first sign? Is it? Let's say before, like fatigue during the game, or just the inability to play, you know, back to backs or four and five nights, which doesn't really happen much anymore. Three and right. four nights, things like that. But. um the guys have been impressed. Noah Vonley is a guy I think has the 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 gill and 
the know-how to make the team. Um, you know, he's a big body. I know, and more not like like I was saw. I you know, he's a local guy from Haverhill, Massachusetts. You know, he's just a guy who came out of school too damn early. You know, you come out these all these one and dones, and they all look at they all look at KD, and they all look at you know the high school brood of little Kobe and LeBron, or they look at these guys and and think, oh, that's me. I'm gonna be a. I'm gonna you know, and and Vonley physically was ready, but he didn't have the game, and he was he was 18. I think he's a younger. So he's 18 and he's 27 now, like 18 when he got drafted by Charlotte, right? Wow. So, you know, he just bounced around and, you know, he never really developed a, 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 as much of a post game because that's stuff you work on in college, you know. And now, um, you know, we could talk about the whole G League at night since the French national team and Victor Wembyama and, and, and that whole thing. But now young guys, the league is starting to, like, create, spaces for younger players Development to, opportunities yeah like the g league two-way contracts to like you're not ready but you're not we're not going to throw you out we're going to give you two years to to sharpen and he could have really used that i mean if there had been i, I know the g league back then but if there had been a two-way or if there had been more opportunities for him to sharpen his skills so i think he can make the team as a kind of a uh, enforcing kind of big, a backup big, a guy who can rebound. I think he's got. I think honestly, Warren, he's got the spot, one of those roster spots locked. I think when you hear Missoula talk about him, he's got nothing but glowing things to say. Even on Friday, where he had four turnovers in the first half, three of them were illegal screens. So I guess that's <laughs> technique, spacing. You can figure that out. But it sounds like he's got a pretty secure spot. Um, on the roster, and I think that he'll help him because they need beef in the paint. Like this team, you know, I love Robert Williams. Robert ain't beefy, you know. My Robert ain't laying you laying some wood on you. He ain't Rick Mahorn, you know. Right, right, right. He, he's not. He, he'll block your shot and he'll prevent you. He'll stop you from driving, but he ain't gonna put you on your butt or whatever. And I think Noah's got that kind of game. He's worked on his game. I like him. Justin Jackson. You know, I was looking for more from him. Um, I thought a guy who's played in other places, had some good moments in the league, this is your chance. And, I, you know, he didn't really turn it on until the second half of the second Charlotte game. Right. Because if you – I mean, he was really – he was bad in that Toronto game. He was 0 for 8. He missed a bunch of open threes, like game game that would have sealed the game. You know, okay, Justin, just knock this down, send us all home, and uh, with a victory, and he couldn't do it. But then suddenly in the second half of that Charlotte game, I think he made a bid, but I don't know if he made did enough to make the team. We'll see what happens, obviously, in the next coming days. Um, the rest of the guys – just seem like they're they're doing you know doing solid stuff. Peyton Pritchard seems like he's obviously taking a bunch more shots and looks like he's you know he he's going to be that shooter. And we talked about our friend of the program, Sam Hauser's knocking down threes exactly what he's supposed to do. Grant Hills add a little dribble drive game, yeah. Um, you know to his to his arsenal. You know uh, Derek White. Okay, that's somebody I want to talk about too because um, he he's, he gets overlooked. He's somebody I've been – he's probably been the guy I've been impressed with the most. All right. Because this is a guy who came over from San Antonio. People thought 
including me, that he was really going to help this team last year. And, and, and in my opinion, I don't think he helped them much at all. I think he was sometimes a deer in headlights. He, he never improved as a three-point shooter. He had that really, really outstanding game one of the finals and then didn't kind of reappear again. He didn't, you know, but he seems to be playing with a, with enough, with, with more confidence and assertiveness. And, you know, one I think is understand not all these guys are locked in with confidence, you know, even though they're mm-hmm. professional athletes and even though they're NBA players, sometimes, you know, their confidence is hard to get, you know, full, like, I'm 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 the man. I can play because as we know, Derek's played for teams in San Antonio that have been around 500. Right? He didn't play with Duncan and Ginobili and 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 no Very and true. Parker. <laughs> you know, uh, he might have played a, a hot minute with Duncan or whatever, but he didn't play with those great teams. He came afterwards. You know, um, so he's played on teams with a bunch of young guys just trying to figure it out. And I think in Boston, it was like, okay, you didn't figure it out now because they need you. And so I think he's figured, figuring things out. I was really impressed with his ability to take the ball to the hoop, hit the three, attack the rim, get to the free throw line, all the stuff that they wanted him to do last year. Maybe he's just a late bloomer. You know, he's a guy you you I think they expected more out of him last year, especially with his salary making $17 million a year. But I've been really impressed with him. Uh, I probably put him on the top of the list in addition to Jalen because I think Jalen's been real steady. Yeah, I think those are great points. Again, you know, and maybe it is the iron sharpens iron approach. You bring in Brogdon, who obviously similar type position, but you know, higher level to, to in most people's I think humble opinion. So that backcourt rotation now becomes becomes beefy. You know, and you have to fight for those minutes because Missoula will have some options. I think even Pritchard is somebody who was probably mad when quite got drafted, brought brought in, not drafted, but yeah. brought in last year because you know he wanted the lion's shares of kind of like those backup minutes and auxiliary stuff. So I'll be interested to see how the backcourt rotation actually does shake out because there are options, you know, and interchangeable parts, so to speak. Um, I think even now, even more so than last year, the ability to withstand an injury, you know, what I mean, and even give some rest days. But on the night-to-night basis, um, you know, will everybody be ready to play their part? And hopefully nobody pouts and, you know, is kind of upset about the role that they play or the minutes they get. Last couple ones before we, you know, we wrap up here on this one, before we get to the real situation next week against Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat, as you alluded to. Um, kind of just the end of the end of the roster, guys. Luca and Jake, I know Broderick is probably not going to make this roster. Yeah. JD probably going to Maine, I would imagine. Yeah. Something like that. Um, Mafondo, Mafondo, sorry. Do we do we feel like any of them had any semblance of a chance, even as two-way guys one way or another, or you know, what we see is kind of what we get? Yeah, Orrin, I think the way it's shaping up is um, they have three roster spots. I'll be sorry, three moves to make. And then I think uh to before you know to cut down the three cuts. And I think right. those are pretty easy moves. I think Lucas Semanic, I think, is well has already been kind of ticketed for Maine. I think um I wrote that last week. Like, I don't think he came in a ch- camp uh with a chance to make the team. They just I just think they like him, they want to give him some D-League time, you know, they want to see, you know, and then he can showcase himself for maybe to sign a contract with another team if he plays in the G League. Uh Jake Lehman. You know, a local guy um, from Rentham, I think he'll be ticketed for Maine unless he gets another offer. I think he's more of an NBA player, and he might say, listen, I think I can play in the league and not in Maine. Um, 
And then, you know, uh, Broderick Thomas, you know, I just haven't seen enough from him to really think, okay, he's going to make this roster over, even over a Justin Jackson. The, co- the, the question is, so I think when you have now, you have Robert Williams and Danilo Gallinari occupying roster spots. So those are two guys who aren't going to play, one for the season likely and the other for three months. So you need bodies. Um, so they might keep Mifundo Kevin, Kevin uh, Gelly up, even though he's on a two-way, and then they might send, because of the backcourt depth, might send J.D. Davidson down just to get him some reps, just that to get him sense. sharpened up. I think they really like J.D., and he'll maybe be the point guard of the future, who knows, uh, you know, in coming years. But I think they might keep uh, Kevin Gelly up just for depth. Um, and then, you know, what happens with those final two roster spots? To me, it could be, I think, as I said earlier, Vonley has made the team to me. And then Justin Jackson's on the fringe. They could keep Justin Jackson um, and have a situation where they have, like, you know, they have to wave him by, you know, January 7th or something or keep him for the season. Or they can keep that roster spot open and think, okay, can we add a veteran wing? Can we add another body? Because they're not going to have – Gallinari and not going to have Williams for, for a while. So they could just leave that roster spot open and go with 14, which I think might be the astute move because you, you don't know you never what know. other teams are <laughs> going to release guys. Like, you know, Utah just released Saban Lee, who was a guy who played with the Pistons, was a second-round pick, as a guy yeah. who's shown some things, right? Like, you don't know what the agenda of some of these teams. Some of these teams are – I mean, I, I know you saw them and I saw them. Uh, Victor Wabayama, like, so now tanking is is cool oh, yeah. again, you know. <laughs> tanking salivating, is, boy. Yeah, salivating. Tanking, tanking's like the iPhone uh, iPhone 15. <laughs> it's, it's, it's cool again. So, you know, some of these teams that are on the fringe are like, we don't need this guy to be helping us too much. We're trying to get the number one pick. So Utah, saying some of these teams are going to make some moves and might let go of some talent that might be – my interest the Celtics. So if I'm the Celtics, I might leave that roster spot open for, and go with 14 and make, have Vonley make the team because you need front court depth. And maybe Jackson, you, you say, hey, Justin, if you want to go to Maine or you want to go overseas, you get another opportunity. Because I don't know if he's done enough to make this team. So for me, I think Davidson goes to Maine. Mm-hmm. Fundu Kevin Gelly probably stays for a while, then goes up there eventually. And then Semantic, Lehman, and Thomas probably go to Maine if they want to. And then I think Justin Jackson might go with them and they keep a roster spot open. So as we close out, we're going to introduce a new segment here. We got, got to workshop the title here. I don't know what, what it's going to be, but um, more or less, what we want to ask Gary is you know, any rumors or any kind of things he's hearing around, you know, these Boston Celtics. So as we're heading into, and I think that's a perfect place to leave off because you're saying if they leave a spot open, you know, now again, that's something that they could potentially move. An old friend is unhappy in, 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 in a, in a current destination. And that's Jay Crowder. Um, I live in the South Florida area. Um, I know Miami is definitely sniffing around and they'd love for him to come in and play that power forward after the, after they've lost PJ Tucker. Um, would Boston sniff around? Would there be any reason for them to kind of look into that and bringing him in as a guy who obviously can shoot the three ball and play some good defense as well too? Um, any any 
thoughts of uh, a re uh, reuniting with with Jay Crowder or any other rumors that you might have heard with the Celtics going into the season? Yeah, I think they'd love to have him, but it all depends on what happens in Phoenix. He makes ten million dollars. Okay, now if the if the Suns can't find a trade a a, a, a a taker, right for that, and it all depends on what they're asking. Are they asking for a, a, another? You know, are, are teams going to give up a good young player? And because you got to match the salaries here, so you need to give up ten million to get ten million. Yeah, are they going to give up? Because I've heard about Atlanta with Crowder. What 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 do the Suns want back? And you got to even it out. Okay. Um, now if, if the Celtics, could they trade for Crowder? The salary that works out the most, but I don't think they can move him yet is Danilo Gallinari, because I think you have to wait till December 15th to move guys that that will sign. So you can't do anything with him because he makes 6 million. Everybody else on the roster doesn't make a, either makes too much or not enough like would you you're not going to trade grant williams for him right you're not going to trade uh you know you're not you know you would have to put together you know two or three guys pritchard how you know you're not you're not trading three guys for jay crowder you just three guys who could probably going to play because you don't have you know you're not going to or you're not going to throw davidson who doesn't make anything like you got to match the salary but if the Suns are to waive him, okay, or agree to a buyout, then I think you're talking. Okay, then I think that's their best opportunity because they can sign him to a vet minimum and bring him on. So I think they're waiting to see what happens with the Suns and how it all works out. Because honestly, if there was something hot, he would have been traded by now. But that $10 million, that's a lot of money in, in NBA, you know, kind of, currency right in terms of like what player you know that's a mid-level player so you're giving up a good player or you know or you'd have to give up a player who's making that on your bench who isn't playing much for that is phoenix do phoenix do they want that back is phoenix asking for a first round pick what does phoenix want in return that's the whole thing about it i do think it's a definite possibility because i think he liked playing in Boston and Boston. He left on good terms. Boston liked having him around. Uh, he could be a real use. I think he'd love to come back because I think this is where he played his best ball, to be honest. Um, you know, you could say Miami or whatever. Miami in the bubble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah he, oh, yeah. He was, he, was, yeah he was out of his mind uh, for the heat in the bubble, right? Um, but to me – I think that it's all the money is the issue and what Phoenix is asking for. Cause Phoenix obviously doesn't need them. They're telling them to stay home. You know, I'm sure he'll, he wants a buyout maybe so he can pick his team. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, hold on, let me ask you this real quick. Is there any way they could do it or any team really do it with any type of um, trade player exemption? They don't have enough. The, 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 the trade exception, um, I, they don't. It doesn't match. I think. I think they have one from Juancho Hernan Gomez, which is five million. You can't combine them. That's right. Yeah, you can't combine. You know, them. Yeah. and you can't add a player. You can't. You'd have to really do some swap, and you can't add a player to a trade exemption. You, it's. A, it's got to be like. It would have to be like the Fournier trade exemption, 
right? Where where they, they could just swallow that whole thing. Like other than that, if it's they don't have enough trade and you can't put and they have a bunch of different smaller ones. Small ones, yeah. Yeah, but not that you can't add them together and go, here's four trade exemptions uh that equal 10 million bring us Jay Crowder. So that's where it gets kind of touchy. But I also think the good news for the Celtic fans who might want him back is if he hasn't gotten traded yet, and I think a lot, what Warren, what happened when teams set their rosters? Because there's going to be a look, a bunch of like, they're going to be some, whoa, are you serious? Kind of weight cuts over yeah. the next week or so. And I think the Celtics will have, could have not only Crowder on their list, but other guys that get weighed. That's why you might want to relieve that roster spot open for a guy who might be a better fit than like a Justin Jackson. Wise words from the man Gary Washburn here on our second episode together here on Believe in Celtics. That's going to do it here for us, man. Next time we talk, the season will be underway more than likely or just about to be underway, man. Gary, I really appreciate the time. Always an amazing conversation with you, brother. Any parting shots here before we close out here on this edition here of Believe in Celtics? Oh, wow. Uh, just I hope everybody's enjoying. I mean, it's a good time of year, you know. We got baseball playoffs, NFL kicking in. It's the really the only month, one of the only few times where all three sports, you know, are, are, are kicking in. College football. So I just want everybody to enjoy themselves, have a great time, and and you know, enjoy all the, the sports. It's a good time of year, and I'm and I, and I will bring try to bring you guys the best coverage, and we'll talk about all the topics and and stuff. And if you you know. Feel free to reach out to us if you got something you really want us to talk about or questions or whatever, because we want to be interactive with the with the listeners. We want we want to put the product out there that you guys want to hear. Yeah, that's right. Sounds like we might be doing a mailbag edition here. We believe in something's up there some at some point during the season. Again, I am Warren Shaw. Follow me at Shaw Sports NBA. He is Gary Washburn. Follow him at G Washburn Globe. That's going to do it here for Believe in Celtics presented by Bet Online. We will definitely catch you next week, and it will be regular season time. See you next week, y'all. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.